Good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you uh, this evening. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Megan, and I have the great privilege of being a part of the preaching team here at Alice Springs Baptist Church. And tonight we are continuing on in a series that Gavin started two weeks ago, looking at the idea of finding rest as we consider some of the wisdom that we read in the Psalms. Tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 131, which is just three verses long, but has some great insights into how we can position ourselves to quiet our souls. I just want to start up front with a reminder that the Psalms are wisdom literature. Um, And so when it comes to interpreting the Psalms, it's important to remember they are songs written in a time and a place, tools for the journey. And these tools help us to make it through difficult times, just as they did for the nation of Israel. This Psalm tonight was written by David um, and gives a call to Israel to quiet their souls. Gavin reminded us two weeks ago that when it comes to approaching the Psalms, it's important to recognise that while some Psalms may reveal what is true about God, they always reveal what is true about the human condition. And this Psalm tonight uh, is no different, or certainly has been no different in the way that it has spoken to me. In preparing for tonight, I've been really personally challenged and convicted about the condition of my eyes and my heart and my thoughts and how I need to guard them and humble myself in each of these areas if I am to quiet my soul and find true rest. This series is called Finding Rest. And we're not just talking about sitting in front of the TV at the end of the day or escaping with a good book or a long walk. We're talking about the deep rest for our souls that God has for us. The sort of rest that Jesus is talking about when he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. This psalm is short, but as I've been dwelling on this psalm in preparation for today, it has been a reminder and a challenge about what this true and deep rest for our souls looks like. And in an often broken and busy world, perhaps more significantly, what we need to do to prepare ourselves to truly quiet our hearts. I don't know about you, uh, but I am blessed to live a full life at the moment. I have lots of opportunities to serve, but in the midst of all that opportunity, I can find it really hard to find rest, especially this deep sort of soul rest, and to quiet my soul because it feels sometimes that there's a lot that I carry. We're going to read through this psalm in its entirety shortly and unpack what it teaches us, but I, I just want to share a couple of scenarios that I face on a weekly basis in my life that challenge my ability to find that deep soul rest. And I want to share these with you not to demonstrate all the wonderful things that I do and what I carry, but because I think many of you will carry similar things and face similar scenarios. And in sharing these, I hope that we can anchor the wisdom of this psalm into our daily life as we try to position ourselves to quiet our souls and to find the deep rest that God has for us. So one scenario that I face on a regular basis is work. My job, uh, at least part-time these days, is as a doctor. And I have worked really hard and trained for many years to be good at my job so I can make a difference in the lives of people around me through my profession. I carry a lot of knowledge and experience in that area. Uh, But like many places, uh, many other jobs in Alice Springs, we have a really big need here for the particular skill set that I have. And so the burden seems high for the skill set that I have. And it feels like there's lots and lots of work that could be done and that I could do, or perhaps only I could do sometimes is what it feels like. Uh, And so it feels hard to take leave without considerable planning and all of that. And so as I face that, I go, well, how do I quiet my soul here when there is so much need and I'm the one who carries the knowledge 
to fill that need. I'm also a parent, and for those parents here, uh, you'll probably know the constant challenge uh, and opportunity that growing kids is at all stages and phases if you're at uh, family camp last week. And whether it's sleep deprivation or challenging behaviours or new experiences our kids are facing, social challenges, growth spurts, whatever it is, there always seems to be something that threatens to interrupt our ability as parents to quiet ourselves and to rest. Like many people here, and I guess this is particularly true in Central Australia and communities like ours, at least in my job, I, I have a job that particularly serves the vulnerable. And uh, many of us come here for, for that exact reason. We want to make a difference in the lives of people who really need it. Uh, and we recognise, many of us, that we have resources to offer that some of the vulnerable populations we serve don't have. And so we feel a burden of responsibility with that and a duty of care to distribute those resources with great stewardship. Uh, with that comes the idea that there is knowledge for me as a doctor, knowledge and treatment I'm trying to instill for my clients. And when I hear of challenging situations and uh, difficulties that some of the clients I serve are facing, I, I carry that burden. And I wonder, how can I find rest when this is happening? And I'm the one with the resources, it seems, sometimes. And then there is the big overwhelming and unknown that threatens our rest all the time. Whether it's seeing or hearing a news article about what's happening in Alice Springs or in Australia around the world, seeing different bits of ash come over your back fence and wondering if a fire's going to start, or um, wondering, you know, what's going to become of the world? How will it be for my children when they're my age with all that's going on and all the issues around and, and what's God's plan in all of this and how am I supposed to ever find rest when there is so much that I don't know and don't understand and that is overwhelming in the world around us. I suspect I'm not the only one who has this barrier to rest at times. And so as we start and, and prepare to look at this psalm tonight, I want to ask you to consider what areas of your life do you find it hard to quiet your soul in right now? Maybe it's one of the examples I shared, maybe it's something different. And I want to invite you to bring that area to mind because if you look at this psalm, I'm hoping that with God's help we'll be able to unpack some strategies to be able to approach this area of your life positioned to find rest. Psalm 131 reads, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't, don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. It's just three verses, but each of these verses is weighty. David starts with a statement to God about the position of his heart, his eyes and his mind. My heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, I do not concern myself with matters. Too great for me. Then he describes what it's like to have quieted his soul and from that point he calls Israel to hope in the Lord. Different translations have this slightly differently but I love the use of the word instead here in verse 2 
uh, in the NLT translation. The implication being that David has made a choice to first set aside his pride. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. And then, and only then, can he quiet his soul. It has struck me in dwelling in this psalm that these words of wisdom teach us that unless we can tackle the pride in our hearts, the haughtiness in our eyes, and the setting of our thoughts on things too awesome for us, we will not be able to truly quiet our souls. There is a humility required if we are to enter the rest that God has for us. And with this in mind, I want to spend the majority of our time tonight focusing on verse 1 and unpacking that a little bit when it comes to our lives and the scenarios I shared earlier. As we consider and acknowledge the barriers that we face to quieting our souls and what taking on humility and positioning ourselves to quiet our souls might actually look like. So we'll start with this one. My heart is not proud. Now most of us would like to think that we are not proud people, that we're fairly humble of heart. The Bible is pretty clear that a proud heart is a pitfall to be avoided. So we're pretty aware of that as, as followers of Jesus. But as I've been preparing for tonight, I have been challenged about how sneaky pride can be in our hearts. And that even when pride is small and it has not grown to destructive amounts, it can easily sneak in and steal our rest and stop us from quieting our souls. In my own life, I have struggled with perfectionism for a really long time. In my life, perfectionism starts as a desire to do my best, to do what is right, and as it progresses, I have high standards for myself and I struggle when those standards aren't met. You might hear somebody saying, well, what's the big deal? Working to a high standard is a good thing, right? Well, it can be. And you might go, well, that's not really proud, that's just perfectionism, right? Well, I have been convicted again that in my life, my desire to do well and pursue what is right can be a good thing but my perfectionism can very easily become a gate for pride. At its worst, the internal dialogue becomes, I am the only one that can do this to my standard. It is easier to do it myself because then I know it will be done right. If I take leaves, leave, things will not be done properly and right. As if somehow perfectionism is achievable and I am indispensable, neither of which are true, and both of which are arrogant and prideful self-assessment. I shared earlier that the work, the burden of parenting and work have been a struggle uh, for me to find rest in these areas. If we buy into the belief that we are indispensable and that all outcomes rise and fall on our shoulders, which, let's be clear again, is pride, we will always find it hard to quiet ourselves because we will always be struggling to carry something that is not ours to carry alone or achieve something in our own strength which is simply not possible when we are called to, be, to live in dependence on God. The truth is, I'm good at my job. I do my best as a mum, but I'm not perfect. I do have something to offer, but I'm not indispensable. I love my children. I play a key part in their lives, but I'm not the only one God is using to grow and to shape them. It's not all on me. I'm a broken human being doing my best alongside other broken human beings dependent on God. If we take a dose of humility and realise that perhaps we are less important, less essential than we sometimes believe in our pride, only then can we find true rest. Rest that says, 
I have an opportunity to serve and I will do my best, but I will trust God with the rest. If you're here tonight and you have never struggled with perfectionism, that's great for you. But you might sit there and go, well, ha, phew, I am so glad I don't need to worry about that sneaky, subversive pride because I don't struggle with perfectionism. Well, if that's you, I'm sorry to tell you that you're probably not off the hook. There will likely be something in your life. For some, it is a desire to succeed and be seen as successful. For others, it is a deep desire to care for others such that they are driven by this need to care and care and care. Whenever our identity becomes attached to how we care for others, to our success, to getting it right, to anything other than the truth that we are a child of God, that sneaky pride can come in and steal our rest and threaten the ability we have to quiet our souls. I asked earlier what areas of your life you are finding it hard to quiet your soul in right now. Is it possible that that sneaky pride in your heart is playing a part? in stealing your rest in that scenario. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. Just as pride of the heart can steal our rest or prevent us from quieting our soul, so can haughtiness of the eyes. Now, haughty is an interesting word. It's not a word we use a lot in modern day conversation. It is defined as being arrogantly superior and disdainful, essentially thinking that we are better than others. Again. It's a matter of pride. The solution, again, is humility. The ESV translates this verse as, my eyes are not lifted too high. And the King James Version says, my eyes are not lofty. Just as with pride of the heart, most of us would like to think that we're not haughty, that we don't look down on others. However, just like pride of the heart, this pride can also be subtle and sneaky. Perhaps especially somewhere like Alice Springs where many of us serve a vulnerable population. Where we feel we have the resources to offer, we have a duty of care, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but there is a danger unless we regularly check our, our, um, ourselves and regularly confirm that we're not raising our eyes too high or becoming unconsciously haughty. The internal conversation can very easily be, I have what they need. That becomes the drive rather than a, I am blessed to serve and to learn. You may have heard these statements. I hear them regularly around the place. They are dealing with such dysfunction. Shouldn't their parents be managing them? Even the subconscious and sometimes conscious prejudices that many of us face when it comes to the vulnerable or the Aboriginal people in our community, if we're honest, are in fact at their core haughty. There is also the sneaky and often subconscious assumption that we have something to offer that is so important that we are indispensable. If we are able to find rest within the challenging situations around us, especially when it comes to serving the vulnerable and the sick in our community, we need to have a sense of what we can control and what we can't, what God has called us to and what is just us imposing. James says in his letter, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are just a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. As you consider what you're carrying, those areas in your life where you find it hard to quiet your soul, I wonder, have you brought them to God to seek his will? Are you carrying something that was never his call for you? Is there a burden you are carrying on behalf of others that has led you to think more highly of yourself than you ought? Or your role or what you have to offer than you ought? Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Once we have a healthy dose of humility around our hearts and our eyes, we also need to consider our thoughts if we are to truly quiet our souls. What is it you spend your time pondering and considering? When other things are quiet, what does your mind ruminate over? Is it today or tomorrow? We'll go to this city or that? This builds on the idea of what we can and can't control. I remember in a season of my life of restlessness where I was not where I wanted to be (laughs) and I was driving home from work one night having an audible conversation wrestle with God and I said, my five-year plan doesn't work. It was one of the moments where I really clearly felt God respond. It was almost like he was the passenger next to me. He said, well, of course it doesn't, but mine does. For me, that was a moment of being humbled (laughs) by God's word but also being freed. My five-year plan doesn't work, but I don't need to worry about that because he's got it sorted. Something too great, too awesome for me to grasp, but he had it in hand. And I had another similar scenario years before when I was a medical student and I was praying and chatting through the whole, what path am I going to take? What, how should I be positioning myself to get into the specialty that you want me to do? And am I going to be a surgeon or a GP or a physician? Like mind spinning over all the myriad of possibilities and God again one of those moments where I've clearly heard his voice he said Megan right now I just want you to be a third year medical student again a really humbling moment but also a really freeing one all that stuff that's in my hands I just want you to do this this thing I've put in front of you right now I wonder what things you are (laughs) pondering over that God already has in hand that aren't yours to carry right now. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, today's trouble is enough for today. Part of preparing to quiet ourselves is to realise that when we become focused on the unknown, tomorrow, next year, the future, we are in fact concerning ourselves with matters too great and too awesome for us to grasp. Coming back to our psalm, David finishes by calling the nation of Israel to put your hope in the Lord now and always. When we humble ourselves, we recognise that we don't carry the knowledge of all of that stuff. We put our hope in God. It is in that space, that humble space that we can find rest for ourselves. But what about those stories of pain and struggle then? When you're led to compassion and pain and sadness by the news in the world around you, Does it mean that we stop caring and trade our compassion for apathy? Not at all. But it does mean that we don't try to solve or carry the world's problems on our own. 
if and when we try to solve or even carry all of these problems alone, we are both arrogant and condemned to restlessness. Peter, who himself had some pretty significant lessons in humility, wrote this in 1 Peter. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Hear that position, understanding that God is the one with the power. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. At the right time, he will lift you up and give you honour. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. A prayer that I have been trying to get into the habit of praying each day is, God, help me to be faithful with what you've put in front of me today and help me to trust you with the rest. When I do that, I enter the day more rested than I otherwise would because I'm not carrying everything else that's not for today. Finding rest, true rest, rest that isn't just an escape, a distraction or putting on hold all that we carry just to pick it back up again, requires humility. To find the yoke that is easy and light requires a giving over of control and trust to God around all these big things that are out of our control that are too great and too awesome for us to grasp. There's a growing kind of uh, voice of secular humanism in Australia at the moment. Um, and one of the subversive lies <laughs> that comes in, this sort of non-religion talk, is that the solution to all that we faced is found in our humanity. If we just look deep enough inside ourselves and each other, we will find the solutions we are looking for. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we do not believe this. We believe that the solution to these things is found in him. That it is in his hands that we put those things too awesome and too wonderful for us to grasp. We are just broken human beings, serving in a broken world, but serving a perfect God. It doesn't mean that we stop caring, praying, seeking to serve and to help, but it means releasing the weight and the burden and the unrest to God. Put your hope in the Lord, David said. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It is in him that we put our hope for all these things that are beyond us, for the overwhelming and the unknown, the uncontrollable, and only then can we find our rest. We need to recognise that we are just broken people, bringing our fish and our bread to God daily, hoping he will make it enough for what he's called us to do. And he will use it for his glory. Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great, too awesome for me to grasp. This is the, the core of humility. And if we can engage that humility, then we position ourselves to enter that quietness of our soul. Now we're through verse 1, and don't worry, we are more than a third through what I have to share tonight. But before we wrap up, I do want to draw out some important lessons from these last two verses. With humility in his, eye, his heart, his eyes and his thought found, David says he has calmed and quieted himself. In the ESV translation, it says he's quieted his soul. For me, this kind of serenity is often aspirational. David describes it as being like a weaned child. That's a really interesting illustration. For me, I think when I first read this, I went, oh, of course that makes sense, you know. I remember as a mum having just nursed my children, they'd fall asleep in my arms, and that to me was just a picture of serenity. But that's not the image he's talking about. He's not talking about a child who's just fallen asleep, filled and nourished from their mother. He's talking about a child who is weaned. Well, that's interesting. 
So not a child who's just come to have his or his or her nourishment, but who no longer needs his mother for that, but in that sense chooses and seeks her out for her comfort nonetheless and finds a safe place in her arms. When I think about the times my boys still come and cuddle and rest in my arms because that is a safe place. A commentary I read described it this way. A child not yet weaned embraces his mother with a thought of food and immediate satisfaction. A weaned child embraces his mother out of a desire for love, closeness and companionship. Such was David's humble desire to draw near to God. Looking back on my life, some of the seasons I have perhaps felt the most connected to God have been the most stressful. The times I have felt pushed beyond myself and have had no choice really but to turn to him daily in dependence for the things that I needed just to survive that season. However, in the seasons where I've created margin, theoretically space to quiet my soul and enter that rest, it is very easy to fall into the pride of self-sufficiency, which, let's be reminded, is just a proud heart. And rather than turning to God daily for the contentment and the peace he provides, this psalm reminds us that if we are to find true, deep rest and quiet for our soul, we need a healthy dose of humility and a choice to come to God even when we don't feel we need him. David ends this psalm with a call to put our hope in God. When we humble our hearts, our eyes and our thoughts and come to God, not out of desperation, but a desire to be with him and find comfort in him, then we can find the rest and peace that comes from being able to truly put our hope in him. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Church, may we be humble enough to recognise our need for God, even when we are not stretched to our absolute limit. May we develop a desire for his comfort and presence in all seasons, knowing that only when we put our hope in him and not ourselves, can we position ourselves for deep rest in our souls? I want to finish tonight with a, a, a prayer, the serenity prayer. Some of you will know this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Let's pray. God, thank you for the wisdom uh, that you gave David when he wrote these songs for the nation of Israel and also for us. God, we stand before you when we recognise where pride has entered into our hearts and our eyes uh, and our thoughts, even subversively, and, and we bring them to you and we ask your forgiveness, God. And Father, we come to you and we, we ask that we would be able to find the comfort and the hope and the peace that is in your arms like a weaned child with its mother. And in that, may we find deep rest for our souls. May that deep rest be contagious to those around us. May we carry just what you've given us for the day. May we trust you with the rest. May we put our hope in you now and always. Grant us, Lord, the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom, God, to know the difference. Amen. I'm about to wash it to the back.